Welcome to the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? I'm your host, Tara Clancy. Join me each week for the stories, the science, and the solutions to help you banish counterfeit sleep and have more energy, increased productivity, and a reflection in the mirror you love. Go ahead and subscribe and you'll get each new episode as soon as it goes live. If your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosick is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at Hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R Sleep.com. The Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, Season 1. Episode 35. Here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, we bring you eye-opening solutions for common problems. Of course, the first step in solving any problem is to make sure you've identified the right problem. For example, one time I had this old mower and it was not a reliable one. You'd start mowing a little bit and then it would just die out. And it had this annoying feature that once it was warmed up, you couldn't restart it until it cooled down. I don't know why. It was just how it ran. So I was out mowing one time and it got going and it actually went for a lot longer than it usually did before it died out. And I thought, hey, this is great. And of course, then it did die out. And so I let it cool down. I tried to start it nothing, tried to start it, nothing, tried to start it, nothing. I was frustrated. So I left it and I reached out to a friend and, and described what was going on. And he said, did you say that it ran for quite a bit before it died? And I said, yeah, it was actually going really well. And so then he asked the question, did you check and see if it was out of gas? So no, I hadn't. And I looked and there it was. That was the actual problem. The gas had run out. So I never would have gotten that mower started because I hadn't identified the right problem. So that's a kind of inconsequential um, problem, right? The only thing that's going to happen is the, mo- the lawn doesn't get mowed that day. But of course, More often, and especially for things that we talk about here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, there are much more consequential problems, and um, oftentimes it may relate to your child. And that's exactly what the case was for me uh, with my younger child. Uh, She was a great baby, an easy toddler, 
And then as she got closer to her preschool years, I started to see some sort of things, little things. I started to see what I can only call some language misfires. I started to see some sort of attention lapses, if you will. Nothing really dramatic, but because I'm a diagnostician and I'm really trained to notice these kinds of things, you know, I, I could see it. And so I would offer, often wonder, you know, what, what was going on and, and try to sort of piece it together. But again, it wasn't anything dramatic that it never made me concerned that perhaps she was dealing with ADHD or perhaps she had some kind of language processing problem, you know, nothing major enough to really set the alarm bells off, but just enough to stay in my mind to keep me wondering. But that all changed as a preschooler when all of a sudden she started waking up at night screaming, inconsolable. It was the worst kind of experience I'd ever had to just be, you know, there with your child and have absolutely nothing that, that, that you could do to help them through this this experience. And so I went to her regular doctor and told her, you know, what was going on. And so she asked me a lot of questions and we got to this point of saying, um, you know, she, we, she, we discovered that she had flat feet and that during the day she did um, sometimes complain about having shin pain. So the doctor said, well, you know, she's probably um, building up a lot of, um, you know, overuse, whatever, a lot of, a lot of sensation in the leg that is then waking her up at night. You know, the pain is then coming through at night and that's probably what's waking her up, you know, in, in this state of, of screaming. So, uh, I was happy to have some sort of problem, you know, there was a solution that I could do if it was related to flat feet. Well, then we, we got these uh, special shoes for her, uh, like with a sort of built-in orthotic for, for her particular foot to give the right support so that she wouldn't end up with this leg pain during the day. And then hopefully if she wasn't experiencing that leg pain during the day, it wouldn't then affect her at night and she wouldn't wake up with this you know, in this inconsolable screaming state. So I was kind of excited that maybe we had found the solution and it was okay for a couple of days. And then of course, what happened, she woke up screaming again on another night. And by this point, I really, you know, I didn't have a ton of other things that I could do. I I tried keeping uh, an activity log to see if there was any correlation between what she did during the day and how and and whether she was waking up at night. I tried keeping um, dietary logs, you know, food logs to see if there were any kind of triggers. I tried some other sorts of things, but the problem persisted, and I really was out of options. I couldn't, you know, find any other. Th- possible reasons for for these um these wake-ups at night and so ultimately we just kind of lived with them but thankfully I happened to meet Dr. Michael Geis who we interviewed earlier in the series and that changed everything because he allowed me to see what the actual problem was it didn't have to do with her feet Uh, being flat. It wasn't, 
the daytime activity. It wasn't even food triggers. It was the fact that she had a problem that was giving her counterfeit sleep. And as I came to learn, there's a name for what she was dealing with. They're, they're called night terrors. And it is related to the counterfeit sleep problem. And so by finally recognizing the actual problem, the, the cause of the actual problem, I was able to then get her tr- the treatment that she needed to not only stop the night terrors, but ultimately to help her resolve the counterfeit sleep problem so that she could get the, the healthy restorative sleep that she really needed. Throughout this journey, I did lots of research and I came across the work of Dr. David Gazal. David Gazal, MD, is an international expert in the field of sleep medicine. He is known as a pioneer in the study of childhood sleep problems and the relationships between sleep disorders and neurobehavioral, cardiovascular, and metabolic disease. Dr. Gazal's research focuses on translational approaches to pediatric sleep disorders, such as childhood obstructive sleep apnea and sudden infant death syndrome. He has published more than 600 peer-reviewed articles, more than 150 book chapters and reviews, edited three books, and has extensively lectured at scientific meetings around the world. Fortunately, Dr. Gazal has made a career out of asking the right questions so we solve the right problem. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Gazal as I was writing my guides for parents who want solutions for common children's problems. And of course, one of the biggest children's problems that we face right now is ADHD. There are more than 6 million families in the U.S. alone that have a child who has been diagnosed with ADHD. And because October is ADHD Awareness Month, and since ADHD has such profound effects on a child from self-concept and relationships right down to school performance, I want to share a story that Dr. Gozal shared with me because I think it really underscores the importance of solving the right problem. So listen in as Dr. Gazal shares this amazing story. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosik is a speaker ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the Sleep Performance Assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. So as part of the sleep clinic, obviously we had the 
a very nice variety of children that required uh, non-invasive ventilation and had uh, neuromuscular diseases and needed support because during sleep they didn't breathe well, others with more serious diseases or whatever. You. But, um, you know, the once in a while we would have this uh, family that would come desperate uh, at last resort and say, you know, doctor, our son is failing at school and they snore like a truck and they really gasp for air in, in, in you know and they're not growing well and they're failing to thrive and and so you know uh we would do a sleep study i would find that they had sleep apnea very severe at that time um, we would send them to our ent colleague uh, they would operate and then the parents would say you know this is a different kid Forget the fact that he doesn't snore, forget the fact that this, but all these other behavioral issues and learning issues uh, have either gotten so much better or they've disappeared altogether. Mm -hmm. And I said, ah, forget it. This is just a placebo effect. You know, just, uh, yeah, I know that it's been reported, but this is all hearsay from parents. So we established the comprehensive uh, sleep center at Tulane University Medical Center. And... Um, and, you know, uh, parents continue telling me the same. The same parents of children that we would operate would tell me, look, uh, doc, uh, thank you so much. You have made it a miracle, right? Uh, you, my child is a different child. So I said, look, uh, people talk about it. People have reported about it. People have um, are telling me this. Um, I probably should start believing them. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, uh, being a physician scientist, I believe evidence. I don't believe hearsay. So we, I took on, I call it, called my colleagues then in the department and said, hey, would you like to join me in a crazy experiment? Uh, and I rigged recording systems um, that we would be able to take to the homes of children and then do, rec you know, uh, multi-channel recordings at home because obviously the sleep lab needed to be used for patients. Yeah. So this was research. So I said, hey, let's, uh, do you guys want to play with me? And we're going to go to the homes of all these kids that I, I will tell you in a second the story. Uh, would you play with me? And I said, ah, it's too much work. Who cares? Sleep, forget it. We have so many things, asthma, BPD, this, that, whatever, cystic fibrosis. Come on, we, nah, you're the sleep guy. You just, so, um, I said, okay. So I went to the high school. Uh, my, one of my kids was in a junior, I think. Junior, I think. Sophomore or junior. Soph between sophomore and junior. So during the summer, guys, um, does your class, I will pay a little money, summer, summer lab uh, work. We're going to go to the houses of people and put the recordings in. I trained them how to set up the recordings. And they thought this was great. And so I had now working, working bodies. <laughs> then I went to the public schools and I told them, you know, um, would you be playing with me? And for the first time, I think I saw a lightning of uh, eyes and of people started really of teachers saying, oh, yeah, sure, why not? We'll play. So the, 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 the project was very simple. I said, um, tell me who the worst two students in your classroom is. And we went to all the first graders of all the public schools of New Orleans. And, you know, uh, 
truly, truly the answers was, it's Johnny and Mary, very easy. Normally the teachers are used to actually say who the best students are. Yeah. In this case, I was asking something that was so unorthodox. Why the hell do you want to know the worst two students, the worst troublemakers? Okay. But, you know, the mayor usually came to the public schools, the superintendent, and then they showcased the, the brightest ones, right? The mm -hmm. top of the class. Yeah. Here I am, a, a guy from Tulane who comes in jeans and uh, whatever and says, hey, who are the worst ones? <laughs> so, you know, it was easy. It's Johnny and Mary, mostly Johnny, to be frank. And, and so we collected 300 names that we approached the parents and asked for permission to do. And then I had my group, myself, and one or two respiratory therapists that worked with me and a bunch of uh, high schoolers that we drove around to do the hookups. And we did. We tested 297 children at night. And then we found one of three, right? So they either had... A completely normal study, what we called controls in a way. They never snored, they didn't have anything. There was a group who snored, but was the, the recording was essentially within normal. Mm -hmm. And then there was a group that not only snored, but had sleep apnea, right? And so for those that had sleep apnea, we went to parents and we said, hey, you need to treat. You need to do surgery. We will refer you to an ENT where you need to do surgery. So the interesting part is that already then we found that 18% of all the kids had sleep apnea, which was much more than would be expected just if we looked at, the, at what was known then as the prevalence of the disease in, mm -hmm. in the general population. So it would tell us that kids who are failing at school academically are more likely to cluster in the bottom of their class. Mm -hmm. That's what it told us. Mm -hmm. All right, but that's not proof enough, right? It's just descriptive. So we went to the parents and said, hey, will you do surgery? So we had two responses. One was, sure, doctor, absolutely. We'll do what you tell us. Thank you so much. And they went and did what they, you know, they got the referral and went. And then there was another group who said, are you kidding? Mm -hmm. My kid, this is almost like family stuff. My grandpa snores like this. We're very proud of the snoring. I mean, he is really becoming as hardcore as his <laughs> daddy or grandpa. We're not going to do anything about it. Forget about it. Yeah. All right. So this was not really randomization yeah. to call for. It's called, we call parent-defined randomization. But it was the best <laughs> that we could do. You know, it's the best that we could do. So, uh, But we didn't tell the teachers anything. And uh, we then work, went for second grade and asked the teachers of all the 297 kids that were recruited to give us a grade. And lo and behold, the group that got surgery was the group that improved tremendously in their grades. And we knew that already, even before we got the grades, because I received 25 of the 26 children that got operated. I received 24 letters thanking me for the marvelous, radical, unbelievable change in their kids. From the parents, you say, right? Right, right. Doctor, I don't know what the research, I hope your research is going well. We just wanted to thank you for the fantastic things. Our child has changed, our changes, blah, blah, da, da, da. You know, he used to be this way, now he is a, a saint or an angel or both or whatever. 
It doesn't doesn't look like his dad anymore, like your grandpa. Yeah. Actually, is a nice kid as opposed to the grumpy old man that we have. You know, kind <laughs> of that stuff. Yeah. So, um, and so we saw indeed that actually, except for two, all of the other kids, 24 of the 26, got out of the bottom of their class. That's amazing. So it showed for the first time three things. One is that kids who do not well are clustered in towards the bottom of their class. I'll come back to it because we reproduced this in a different way. Uh, second, um, that uh, sleep apnea is um, induces academic problems and that at least it's partially reversible because if you treat it, some of it will go away. And by the way, the kids who decided that they didn't want none of them, their grades didn't change. So what I love about this story is that 24 out of the 26 kids got out of the bottom of the class just by getting the solution to the right problem. They didn't have inherent academic problems. They didn't have inherent behavioral problems because once they got their sleep problem identified and resolved, they moved out of that bottom quartile. And so this story really underlies the importance of identifying the right problem. It's just like me with the gas mower. I was never going to get that mower started because I hadn't realized that the actual problem was that it was out of gas. Of course, once I put gas in it, the mower was able to do its job. And kids are the same way. Maybe they have clinical obstructive sleep apnea like the kids in Dr. Gazal's study. Or maybe they have a sleep problem that isn't yet clinical, but is still affecting their performance and their behavior every day. The important takeaway is this. Think about the problem that your child is exhibiting and ask yourself, could it be related to a sleep problem? It's like we always say here on the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast. Use the XYZ formula. If you have problem X or if your child has problem X, ask why and make your primary suspect your Z's. Because especially in the case of children, as many as 90% of kids are on their way to a clinical sleep problem. So let's look at it now. Let's give them the help they need now. And let's keep them as healthy as we can. Today's sponsor asks this important question. Have you done a mental health check today? Have you been feeling off? How long have you felt that way? Cindy Chosik is a speaker, ghostwriter, and author who connects the dots to the symptoms, solutions, and sound bites so we can help ourselves, our teams, and our loved ones. Learn more at GetSoConnected.com. A high-performance workforce starts with high-performance sleep. Do you know how your workforce measures up? Find out today. Take the sleep performance assessment. Learn more at hypersleep.com. That's H-I-P-E-R sleep.com. That ends this episode of the Counterfeit Sleep Podcast, where we help you answer today's most important health and wellness question. Is your sleep making you tired? Follow us to get the stories 
the science, and the solutions to help you take your counterfeit sleep journey. And leave us a review to help other people find us. Thank you. And remember, if your sleep is making you tired, it's time to change that and get back to being you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.